This is the Saddled Stallion Podcast, where men are equipped and encouraged to understand their wiring, clarify their mission, and find purpose along the path to its fulfillment. I'm your host, Chad Kanyer, and I'm stoked to have you here. Let's roll. Here's something you don't hear every day. He is too creative. Creativity is something that we celebrate a lot in our culture. We refer to entrepreneurs as creative. We celebrate creativity in our kids. We look at interesting buildings we're driving past them, and we say, that's a creative design on that building. Creativity has a very positive connotation in our culture. We like things that stand out, that challenge norms, that have a flair of creativity. It's weird to say this, but it took turning 31 years old and having multiple frustrating experiences in trying to build things that I had dreamt up for me to realize that my creativity was actually hurting me. Now this is very important for people to understand and if you haven't learned this yet, you likely haven't been in a relationship in which you're being real <laughs> and deep and authentic and passionate and horrible towards someone. <laughs> but it's something that my stepfather um, taught me. Would that be my stepfather-in-law? It's my wife's stepdad. Anyway, Tim, we call him, um, taught me that the excess of our greatest strengths are our deepest weaknesses. Man, that is true. And for me, there's a long list of my strengths that have an ugly cousin that rears his demonic head in certain situations, especially if I'm inflamed or I feel controlled or I feel like I'm not measuring up. But one of the assailants in my life and in my career and in really with any aspiration in my life has been my creativity, the ugly cousin of my creativity, which is complexity. Yes, they rhyme. Yes, they start with the first, same first letter. I'm all about alliteration. I can't get away from it. I've tried. I'm seeing a Buddhist about it. Not really. It's a quote. But I wanted to share this because I think it could be so frustrating for someone who is trying to materialize something in their mind that they're so excited about. And if creativity is so celebrated in our culture and so celebrated in our minds, and if entrepreneurs, which if that's the path you're going down, you're going to look, you know, to that as a model. If entrepreneurs' creativity is so often celebrated, almost as a standard, 
it can be mystifying as to why creativity can be leading you to dismal results, delays, setbacks, frustrations, etc. So I just want to help people who are in that situation. Again, learn from my mistakes. I say that a lot because there are a lot of mistakes and because life is too short to A, not admit them, and B, not use your failures to help other people along their journey. That's what I'm all about. Here are three things that creativity has hurt me on. It's poorly said, but you get it. Three areas in which creativity has reared its ugly head as it converts into complexity uh, as I've gone after my various pursuits in career and relationships, but I'm mostly focusing on speaking to entrepreneurs as they build a dream as I go through this. Number one is disorder. How exciting is that moment when you have that, that idea, that spark? That's a special moment, isn't it? It's beautiful in your mind. And if you're a vision person like me, most entrepreneurial type people are, um, it's special. And you almost know that as soon as you attempt to articulate it to someone else, it loses that luster in your mind. It's it, Words do it disservice. And so what do you do <clears throat> when you get a response of, that sounds kind of cool, or, yeah, that sounds a lot like this other product I buy, or, oh, interesting, and you're like reading into what that means. You start to associate, or you start to attach the value of that idea, which you know in your heart is awesome, with their response. When really their response could be a reflection of what they're going through or how distracted they are or jealousy or just a myriad of different pressures and parameters and forces that are just beyond your knowledge, right? Disorder is usually on the back end of that because you try to start shotgunning ideas that add color to your idea when really your original idea didn't need any color. You saw the tree as this beautiful tree with branches and leaves and fruit. You didn't need any bells and whistles. But now that you're in this conversation and there's this dialogue and there's this analysis of your idea, you've confided in that person and now you start to you start to look at your tree as this stump or as this shrub that might eventually grow into these things and maybe they're giving ideas and all that because they just don't they don't see it they don't see it. how could they right they're not in your brain they, they didn't go along the mental journey to get to that idea like you did but you you start to color all those things in right and you're coloring in all those branches and all those leaves and all that fruit, but you're speed coloring in your mind and in the conversation. And it's chaotic, and it's not poetic anymore, and it's not organic anymore, and it's frustrating, and it's disorderly. And then you jot notes down, right, because you've heard that it's good to get feedback on things, right? 
you know, one thing I've noticed about getting feedback on things is it's absolutely paramount to get feedback on things. But I would get feedback on the how I can build this or how I should approach certain things, not whether I should build this or whether I should go for things. There's this intuition as an entrepreneur or as a creator, like I like to write, it's the same kind of thing you're creating but you're not necessarily a, a business entrepreneur. There's this intuition that you have to trust and that's why you're a creative person. You don't necessarily need people to guide you in the world of creativity and generation. You have plenty of those skill sets. What you probably need to surround yourself with um, are people who have even temperaments and people who have experience, but people who can also appreciate your unique capacity to create. And so that disorder can be stifling and frustrating. And these are all linked, right, as I go through these. Hey guys, you might already know this, but I am not in the business of providing a random message to a random audience. I am in the business of providing meaningful, impactful messages to those seeking more purpose in life. I need your help to do this. I'm inviting you right now to engage in a dialogue with me and to send me ideas, send me thoughts, send me questions, send me issues that you're struggling with that I can speak about on this podcast. Go to my website, chadcanyer.com. It's my name, .com. Go to the contact page, fill out a form. I will get an email and I pledge to get back to you within a week and engage in a dialogue around that topic. I cannot guarantee that I will speak on that on the air because I might be the dumbest guy in the world on that subject, but God knows I will do my very best to engage with you and to provide value, not just to you, but to every single listener, because that is why I'm doing this. Help me make this more purposeful. Uh, another byproduct of being creative in, and, and having complexity come at the tail end of that is distraction, right? Part of that disorder is chasing red herrings, things that are not essential to taking the first step or first two steps in materializing your vision. It's a improper prioritization of things when you're trying to shotgun build something that really was meant to be an organic production, something that you fostered on your own, something that is completely genuine from inside of you. You can't rush that process. And so when you get distracted on all the, let's say you're getting distracted on the branding, when you haven't even thought of the core product, which will guide the branding, um, when you are starting to think about the customer service elements and how you're going to be so different in that area, when again, you haven't even conceptually landed or even like tested the core idea yet you get so distracted and, and and then you know if you're like me and you just go balls to the wall on things like this you'll set up phone calls and you'll do research online and something that could just have been like an idea at inception can turn into a project and before you know it you have 17 
projects that are associated with this core idea that you are 9% done with. <laughs> and I think if you're a lot if you're anything like me, you know exactly what I'm talking about and that leads to the third byproduct, discouragement. And what is the one what is the one thing that I I've kind of I spoke of when I first painted a picture of that idea moment, that light bulb moment. Encouragement, excitement, positive energy. Uh, you can't wait to tell someone, even though part of you is like, do I need to t tell someone? Um, am I ready to tell someone? You get discouraged if it's chaotic. You get discouraged if it's disorderly. You get discouraged if you're distracted on a, a, a number of things. It starts to feel like a business like a like a duty like a job when it's not supposed to be yet i mean some people are so busy creating year or i'm sorry managing year 2 and 3 of their business and building a freaking empire when they are supposed to just be having fun experimenting like, I'll give you a perfect example. I've had enough failures in terms of like, hey, got an idea, going to run with it. Let's see if this works and has legs. Enough things that kind of fell flat uh, for me to just laugh about this candle thing I'm doing right now. <laughs> like, I COVID is freaking driving me insane. I'm an extrovert and I need to be out of the house and yada, yada, yada. If you listen to my last podcast, I'm like venting about COVID. It's right when the mandates got laid down. In Dallas, at least. But um, I I thought myself, you know, this is kind of a cool time to, like, pick up a hobby or, like, start an idea or, like, just have fun. You know, try something new and, and experiment. And I've always wanted to make candles. It's, like, a weird artsy-craftsy thing or whatever. But when the hell else in my life do I have time like every night to like work on my next candle? Like it's super weird. Right. But I love it. It's like fun. You get to think about like the color and the, and the, the smell and like I'm theming each candle and I'm like, I'm putting them in cool guys like rocks glasses and stuff, making them like a masculine candle brand. And it's exciting. Right. And like, I just use the word brand. Like <laughs> I've made I've made four candles. Like, it's not a brand yet. And so I laugh at myself um, and I joke with my wife when I'm like, I'm building an empire. Like, I joke with her about that. She's like, what do you want to do tonight? I'm like, I'm going to continue to cultivate this ominous empire of candles. Like, it's funny. It's a joke, right? It likely will not turn into really anything unless I, I don't know, figure out how to make better candles than the one I've, the ones I've made so far. But, um it's been fun. And I mean, with just even a stupid little idea like that, I'm, I have to work hard to keep it fun because I care about it, which means I will likely overthink it, which will, which means I will likely overplan it, which means I will probably envision where it's going to be in a year and what my margins on my product would be and how many sales I can do online and whether I should sell them on Amazon or my own personal e-commerce side and I'm reaching out to people who sell things online already. That's not relevant yet. Like, we all need to be okay with an idea 
being an experiment for a while, like for a season, because that season is is fun. You can test whether you actually like doing the thing you've been planning on doing and, and thinking about doing. Everything sounds cool in your brain, but do some work associated with it. Do you like the work? Like, before you think about the brand or the marketing or the customer acquisition strategy or the sales strategy or your vertical integration partners or whatever, just have fun with the idea. Just toy with the idea. And so for driven entrepreneurs, people who have this burning fire inside of them, they just can't stop thinking of ideas and they just will kill themselves someday. I'm being facetious, okay? Don't take me literally there. But will die if they don't end up doing something entrepreneurial in their life, or at least trying, like me, like I just define myself, you need to give yourself some time. You need to get a stream of income so that you can breathe. And you need to, you know, don't let yourself get complacent, but it won't be that hard because you care. Get some dumb, boring job that pays you whatever and pay the bills and then give yourself some time to work on the idea and to iterate and to have fun with it and to... Let it stay fun for a while. So here's a practical way that I am forcing myself to keep it fun, to keep it simple. I've learned this concept, this methodology, if you will, from software development circles. And it's a super random segue, but I've been in technology management consulting pretty much my whole career. I am good at driving technology projects, or at least I'm paid as if I'm very good at that. And I've learned that there's this methodology called the Agile Software Development Methodology. Um, it originated actually at Toyota, which is funny because I work at Toyota as a consultant right now. But it actually, it, um, it originally was fostered within their automotive manufacturing groups, like their assembly line groups, for a more efficient and effective way of delivering different iterations of vehicles, of building cars, right? So think about the Henry Ford assembly line that he's famous for. This is like an iteration on that um, to be more lean. It was actually called lean um, manufacturing, which is kind of in the software development world, it's taken on an identity of agile. So you hear that in tech circles. Oh, we're agile shop or whatever. And there's all these tools that support that kind of development, software development, et cetera, et cetera. But really zooming out for a second, the, the core concept is to keep things simple. Now, if you are working on an idea of your own and you're a one-person team, this is like even more rudimentary and very, very easy to use. All I do is I, well, there's, there's online tools that are free. There's one called Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O. There's another one called Asana, A-S-A-N-A. -A -A. There's probably 56 other ones that are free and fine. You could literally just do this in Excel or with sticky notes on a board. You create columns, and the columns are just stages of work, right? So a first column, I would call it a backlog. It's things you want to get to. It's I ideas. It's like, so if I'm building a candle business, or at least laughing about doing that, one of the backlog items would be build a candle, like make my first candle and just learn, right? So that would be in my backlog. And that'd be on the very far left-hand side, sticky note, right? Or a digital sticky note, whatever. The next column would be next up, 
this is what I want to do next. Okay, so when I'm getting, when I have all the materials to build a candle, I would put that into next up when they when they all the materials arrived and I had a night picked out where I wanted to make a candle I would move it into the next column the next column would be doing I'm doing this right now it's in-flight efforts you see how there's already two columns before I even do anything that's kinda cool because you see what's coming down the pike and then there's done the last column is done you're done and it's kinda cool because over time you can see how many stickies are in there and you're like oh I'm actually making progress Super, super, super simple, right? And this is like, again, scratching the surface of how teams use this methodology uh, to build software and all that. But what I've noticed about myself is if there's more than one sticky note in any column, I get overwhelmed. Isn't that ridiculous? Like, I get discouraged, if the sticky note is there for more than two or three days, I'm like, I'm not making progress on this. This is so stupid. I'm overwhelmed. Oh my God, you know what? I don't even have time. This is so stupid. I'm going to scrap the whole project. It's ridiculous. It's unhealthy. <laughs> Help me. No, but what I'm saying is if you're a creative person and you probably have five different, you would probably have five different boards, like five different sets of those columns because you're working on so many different things. Another podcast should be, hey, limit the number of things you're working on, but, but let's just focus on your your idea that you're thinking about or you're building your business, whatever. Don't let more than two items, sticky notes, be in each column. Keep it simple. You will be encouraged by the progress as that done column fills up with sticky notes in your mind whether subconsciously or consciously, you will say, I am getting things done. I am making plans. I am making progress towards my goal. So I would say set small goals. Break things up. If a sticky note is going to take you a week, break it up into sticky notes that take one to two days. Maybe even go sp more specific than that. Because you want to give yourself that feeling of accomplishment. We are creatures of habit and we are easily convinced, especially with ideas that are so near and dear to our hearts that came from like some brainstorming session or came from some daydreaming session or some dream or some stupid idea you had at a restaurant. By the way, if you're at a restaurant right now, go home. I don't think you're allowed to be there. But if you ordered from a restaurant or something triggers in your mind, whatever. Those things that come from our own hearts and minds and souls and all that, and are kind of our private spaces of our, our of our minds and our souls, those things are near and dear to us. And so if we don't make progress, tangible progress on those, we start to stress out, especially if you're a creative person like me. It's just it's unnecessarily overwhelming. Now, you guys know I uh, I love I love God. I love Jesus Christ. I think he saved us. I think he died for us. We recently celebrated that, uh, his resurrection at Easter a few days ago. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to share some Bible verses that are very in line with what I'm saying um, around making plans and around trusting God with this season that you're in, the season that your idea is in. It's okay to apply scripture to your life 
the things that you care about. The Bible also says that God cares about the things we care about because he loves us so much. Just like I care about my little boy Deacon. He's, he's, he's four and a half years old. I care about the little things that he cares about. I care where his, his favorite Hot Wheels are. I'm like, oh, you found the silver one? Like, that one's so cool. Like, I get excited about that. I'm 31 years old, man. Like, I'm excited about his little Hot Wheels because I love him. I want to see him happy. That's how God looks at us. And so we don't have to look at Scripture and be like, wait, wait, we're talking about Scripture in the context of planning an entrepreneurial idea? What What's the connection there? Huge connection. I started talking about this with the word creativity. I'm talking about the God who created the universe, who created me and you. He's a creator. He knows how to create. It's a little different because he's limitless in his power and potential and capacity. and He's omnipotent and omniscient. But you know what? We were created in his image. So he gets the creation thing, which is why the Bible talks so much about the plans of man's heart. Listen to this. Proverbs 16.9. Proverbs is an awesome book. If you're new to any, if you're like new to even reading the Bible or thinking about reading the Bible, listen to Proverbs. Proverbs is just a wise man speaking about how to live a good life and how to avoid issues in life and how to just be wise and smart and have faith and be strong and be good and, and leave a mark and, and be different and stand out. I love Proverbs. It's a practical application to life and it's an easy read. Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Isn't that true? There have been so many times in my life where I am planning every freaking step. I can see things two years down the line. I'm like, this is my life plan. Boom, COVID hits. Boom, baby is born. Boom, my wife loses her gig. Boom, whatever, the weather, the freaking economy, the my boss quits, there's a change. Plans are a joke, okay? Our plans are a joke. Now, it might help us sleep a little bit better at night to have a plan, but the precursor to any plan should be, this stuff's going to change. But yeah, okay, we have a general roadmap in place. We can do our due diligence and be smart about where we're going, but come on, asterisk, 99% will change, okay? In their hearts, human pl humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So what does that mean? Trust God with where you're at. Trust God if you have some idea you've been working on for three years and nothing's really working and you feel like you've got banging your head against the wall and you've tried everything. Maybe it's time to put it on the back burner for a while. Maybe it's time to get a take a breath and get some perspective. Maybe it's time to work on something else for a while. Trust that the season will come for that thing to materialize or die. Maybe you'll realize it's just not worth it. Maybe you're too close to it. I don't know. I know I was too close to some of my stuff. Verse number two that really rang a bell here, Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Every activity under the heavens. So everything me and you do, there is a time for that. There is a season for that. There is a purpose for that. If you look at the seasons of the earth, right? I mean, we kind of take that for granted, but like, isn't that interesting that like we can bank on it? You know, we know summer is coming right now and Dallas can't make up its mind. I don't know if summer's coming or apocalypse is coming. The weather is freaking volatile. It's more volatile than me. I'm, I'm distressed, but 
it's coming. Summer will come. It will be hot here soon. And everyone will be complaining about their air conditioning. And HVAC companies are going to make a murdering on that market if they're allowed to enter the home. I digress. We can trust the seasons. So if we can trust the seasons in life, and even if you're a universalist, right? Even if you believe they're all like going to wind up in some ocean together and we're all drops in the sun, whatever, okay? We're all, there are rules of nature, right? And so those rules of nature govern the way our lives unfold, right? So if we can trust the rules of nature that summer is coming, we can also trust that COVID will end. We can also trust that our job situation will get better or will get worse. And there will be a reason behind that, just like there is a reason for every season, right? There's a harvest season, there's a planting season, there's a recycling season, right? Winter. And so we can trust the season. And so sometimes we're trying to make it a summer when it's not a summer. It's a winter, and we're supposed to be letting the old die off and to be investing in new things and to be refreshing and to be reflecting on the things we've learned, but we're not. We're pushing it. We're pushing for the results of a summer, and it's just not the right time. Listen to the season. Look up. Look outside. Listen to your heart. Are you trying to make a summer a winter or vice versa? Maybe that's a way to slow down, right? There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Just a very practical thing. And then thirdly, James, oh, my boy James. This is Jesus' brother. This is New Testament. The book of James is like, what, four pages long? It's really short. And James is a straight shooter. I would kick it with James until it was like, dude, you're just too much, right? It's like it hurts. But something he says is very interesting. It's a little bit longer, and it's about plans specifically related to business. So it's hyper-applicable. James 4, 13 through 15. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. For me, like, so for some, it might be distressing to read that or to hear that because it's like, well, I want to feel like I have some sort of control over my destiny. And we somewhat do, right? Like, life gives you lemons. You got to still make the lemonade. You still got to do your part, right? It's not like God's just like, hey, sit in your room and I'll do everything, right? Like, you have to care. But for me, as such a doer and a type A person and someone who just like, I used to just grind and grind and grind for results. When I didn't hit that mark, I got so frustrating. And because I thought that it was all based on my work, like that weight was all on my shoulders, when I failed or when I didn't see the results I wanted to see, the only person to look at was myself. And some of that's healthy, right? But but some of it's too much pressure, right? There are things you can't control. There are seasons for everything. So for me, when I read that, when I read where he says, instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this and that. 
we will go there, we will move there. And that, you know, I don't know about you guys, but that gives me peace. That gives me peace. It's nice to say, I can do everything in my power. I can pray and I can work and I can make connections and I can I can make the order and I can learn the sales tactic and yada, yada, yada. But you know what? At the end of the day, if God doesn't want me to succeed, if God doesn't want me to grow, if he doesn't want me to win this one, man, that's okay. That is okay. I'm okay with it. It's just not summer right now. And if anyone is out there touting that they can make it summer when it's not summer, they are a fool. And they have just been lucky. They're either lucky and have had a string of wins and they're inebriated by victory, or they're just too stubborn to realize that they might be losing in areas of their life that they're neglecting in order to have success. It's really about prioritization. The people out there who think they have everything figured out as long as they work hard and all that and make the connections and they've never really failed at anything in their life, they will be humbled. Don't be one of those people. Be humble now under your own accord. So guys, I mean, this is this is something I struggle with, you know, so much, right? Creativity turns into complexity, leading to disorder, to distraction, to discouragement. And I'm sick of it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep things simple in my life. If I want to improve my marriage, I'm going to focus on one thing I can do better for five days in a row. Not five things I can do better for maybe one day in a row. I'm going to strike out 10 times out of 10 on that one. If I want to make my business better for a season, I'm going to focus on one thing that I can do better. And that one thing will have its complexities and its, its subtasks, if you will. But it's one thing. It's not seven things. And this is when it's so important for people to have teams, right? Because in the same season... Joe can go work on this one thing and I can focus on this one thing. If I want to make my personal, my faith journey better, one of the most overwhelming things that, that I've always faced is I want to know the Word of God better. I want to read the Bible. It's very clear that the Lord used men to write the Bible. and he's, There's amazing stories in the Bible. You think the Bible is some ancient document? You are wrong. Everything in the Bible that I've read applies weirdly to my life. Like, like humans and their emotions and their priorities and their, their flawed priorities and their and their sins and their issues and their arrogance and their and their greed and all of those things are the same exact things today that we deal with today. People are the same. People have not changed one bit. The names of the countries might be different. The names of the people might be different or whatever, but the same concepts apply. Humans haven't changed that much. Trust me. Read Proverbs. Very. If you, do, if you read Proverbs and you can't relate to something pretty much immediately... You must be an alien. Like, <laughs> it's, it's incredibly applicable to my life. But if I want to encourage myself, if I want to make progress in my faith journey, you know what I do? I don't say, yeah, for the next, for the next 30 days, I'm going to read the Bible at 545 every morning when I wake up. No, I don't do that. I set time and I try to do that. But when I miss a day, I let it go. 
like I let it go. I keep it fun. I keep it I keep it simple. Complexity in my world is the enemy of greatness. And so I hope this was encouraging. I hope it helped someone out there who's thinking about pursuing an idea, thinking about probably thinking about too much, you know. Dude, just simplify it. Keep it simple. Keep it fun, man. Like, get back to that original thing and recapture that joy. Stop trying to prove to other people it's cool. Maybe just show them in the right season. Maybe it will materialize and they'll say, wow, that is freaking cool. And you'll be like, man, I'm so glad I didn't waste time trying to get you to see the vision. I'm so glad I just let it speak for itself. When the tree was colored in and the fruit was where I where I had originally envisioned it, I don't need to do all the coloring in immediately in that first conversation with you when I'm jazzed about the idea. I'm going to wait for the tree to blossom. I'm going to wait for the fruit to actually be there. And then you'll say, man, that's a beautiful tree. That's what I leave you with. Hope you guys have an awesome, awesome week. Stay sane, stay safe, but I don't think this thing's that big of a deal. Stay sane, stay safe, stay sanitized, and keep it simple. Thanks for listening to the Saddled Stallion Podcast. That's it, guys. Be strong, be humble, walk in purposeful manhood.